hola, hola, my name is Ricardo, I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Super J Cast. I'm Joel, joined by David McDonald. It is Wednesday, 14th of February, 2024. This is episode 297. Happy Valentine's Day, Damon. We'll give you a big kiss. Oh. <laughs> I hear somebody in the background. Well, happy Valentine's Day to you and yours. Um, if you uh, partake and if you don't, uh, it's just another day, right? That's all it is. Um, but yes, it is the Valentine's Day. What is it, now, do you, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys... Uh, you do a little celebrating, right? You do a little, uh, little, little dinner, or you take the kids out and you get everybody involved, correct? Uh, yeah, we didn't do anything this year. We're not, we're not really huge Valentine's Day people. We've got my parents over at the moment, so oh. we uh, had a Chinese hot pot at home because oh, we got one of these little sort of plug-in hot pot things where it's like split in half, so you can have two different kinds of broth. So we had one half of it with a sort of spicy numbing. Sichuan broth and another half with a, a tomato broth mm. with um it's like these these packaged ones from um a chain restaurant called Heidi Lao which is very popular in China I think they've got a few of them internationally as well nice oh, so, um, perfect hey, I'm, yeah, I'm doing this I'm doing this and then staring at a wall and then eating something and then um hopefully falling asleep <laughs> that's that's the, we don't we've <laughs> never done it that we've never done anything on Valentine's Day like I think Cheryl actively hates the day and the idea of it and she's just like well just fucking i hate it i'm like and every yeah, year i'm like commercial con isn't what's that it's a big commercial con yeah it, it really is and and like i appreciate the fact that she doesn't care for it but every year i always i'm like are you sure you know we can do something she's like do, do not we're not spending any money on that. And honestly, we're not spending any money on anything right now. But we, uh, yeah, she's never, never was a thing for her. So um, here's the thing. I wouldn't mind it. Like, I really wouldn't mind it. It, wouldn't, it doesn't matter to me either way. But um, the fact that, like, it's just taking off the plate, the headache and the 
making the reservations and you know what I mean and all that and it's and every that's it like all the restaurants are booked up right. they're all overpriced and it's just very stressful yeah exactly I mean it, it really is it is a day and it never is like it never lives up to the billing you know what I mean it's not like you're gonna go home and then fucking you know have weird sex <laughs> like you know what I mean like it's just never really a thing but that's fine. No big deal. Uh, I listened to the uh, show last week. Great job by you and John, right? Carrying the... Uh, I appreciate that. We had a conversation. It was my birthday. And uh, it was uh, it was very good. You did very well, as always, um, steering the ship. And uh, John is always there to help carry the load, if you will. So uh, definitely appreciate that. It was kind of funny listening to the... Uh, the sports talk in the beginning. I was like, oh, look at that. Look at these guys go. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Very good stuff. Have you um figured out what exactly you're supposed to do when people sing happy birthday to you? <sighs> you know, no. As long as as long as I've been here on earth, it has always been a very awkward thing. Right? And it's always awkward with when you have to sing it in the sense of that first person to kind of start it off and then everybody kind of follows suit. Um, I just stare at the cake. I gotta, be, I just stare at the cake because it's embarrassing. I don't think people so just just stare at the people who are singing it. No. Just like make like, unblinking eye contact, just stare them right down. <laughs> just, not smiling, just <laughs> straight into the, boring into their soul. I, yeah, I, I, I'm on the other way. It, 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 I don't get embarrassed by much, but like that does. That's kind of like, you know, it's, I don't think, and here's the thing too. I don't think I had a happy birthday sung to me this year. I did not have a happy birthday. Matter of fact, now that I think of it, I didn't blow out any candles. I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing. I went out to, uh, where did I go? I went out to like a dinner with friends. That was it. And she, and, and obviously Cheryl there. That was it. It was really low key. It's really a weird time going on in the in the life of Damon McD. It's uh weird, to say the least. Speaking of weird, uh I don't know if you know this, but uh WrestleMania, you know, the granddaddy of them all, um, is in Philadelphia, which is obviously very close to me. I could make two lefts and be at the stadium, right? It's my running joke. Uh, I took a look because I was like, tempted? I, okay, what's it? Are you tempted? No, not to go to that to the show. I mean, unless somebody says I have an extra ticket, you don't have to pay. Uh, then I'd be like, all right, maybe I'd go. Uh, depending upon the weather, too, quite honestly, because you know you're outside. Um, it's the other stuff that's you know traditionally you would have. You know, your WrestleCons and every fucking promotion under the sun's running shows. And a lot of times they're pretty good. Oh, boy. Hey, nothing but dog shit around here. I'm like, what the f-? Like, there's nothing. Joel, there is. I swear to you, there are there are lots of shows. There's nothing I'm interested in. Zilcho. There's nobody I'm interested in going to, like, WrestleCon for. Like, it's it's the same people that they just keep, you know, recycling over and over again it's like there's nobody like there's well, just yeah us indies are dead now aren't they they sure are it feels like it um it's moving up. 
yeah, there was really nothing there. I could, I couldn't, I could not get excited for anything. So like, I'm, I'm it, like, I'm, I'm, I could walk to some of these shows. There is a show. It's like an, a, like a MMA show that's in a town called Gloucester city, Gloucester city, New Jersey. Uh, and that is where I was, uh, born and raised and, um, eh, you know, white trash town, but there's a show. And I'm like, I could walk to the show, but like, I'm not going to go to the fucking show. You know what I mean? Like I said, everything's so close to me, but I have interest in none of it. And that's kind of sad, I think. And I was like, oh, we, we, you know, it's not every day that WrestleMania is in your fucking backyard. There's nothing. There's nothing that interests me. It's a shame that there's no New Japan offering this year. I was shocked, actually. I was kind of surprised. I mean, I mean, they're in the middle of, of uh, Fantastic Mania now. And by the time Mania rolls around in April... You know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what kind of schedule that we would be close to on that. But like, I don't know. It was just like there was, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I, you would think some representation, or at least like you know, strong like guys that they don't use uh, and fly over to Japan. You know, your Tom Lawlers and uh, you know your old school strong guys. You think would would have a presence, but it's like I, there's nobody around. I mean, listen, they have a couple weeks to go. Um, and a lot of these shows don't even have shows announced at this point. But yeah, I was kind of surprised. Stardom's running. Stardom's running a show. But like, you know, I, I got to be really be in the mood to go see fucking Stardom. Um, now, I'm surprised Bushiro can afford to put on a, a Stardom show. <laughs> right? If their financial reports anything to go by. Yeah, they're walking now. They have to walk across the Pacific. <laughs> they can't fly. Can't fly. <laughs> <laughs> they're swimming right now. Uh, yeah. Did you? I mean, you obviously saw. We saw what I saw. You saw. We all saw the same. Saw in the same chat that we were in. Um, boy, I've never seen a, a a value of a company drop like that so rapidly. It was just. It was like take the heaviest thing you own in your home and drop it from the highest point in your house. That's exactly what it was. Straight down projections for the future like oh if this if it continues like this in uh, 12 months time bush road stock and, and there was like the graph was broken because the line got so far <laughs> down south yeah it's amazing i was like whoa that's a problem that's a problem did like, it they're gonna be if the podcast is still going i think kidani's going to be asking us for money we're going to have to transfer some of the the red circle funds to keep new japan afloat i think yeah i think i think if we both came up with 20 dollars collectively uh we could take our red circle money and that 20 dollars and buy new japan at this point um it's a shame it's crazy but wrestlers will be gone which would just be they'll be asking us to book shows using some of the the wacky characters from our discords yeah. um it's yeah. it's, it's going to be a strange time yeah violent skipping in a cage match against <laughs> oh boy I tell you, weird times. And I did you see how uh, they weren't very complimentary of uh, stardom in that report, if I'm not mistaken. They kind of threw them right on a fucking yeah. bus, didn't they? Yeah. I, th- I mean, they acknowledged the mismanagement. I mean, I suppose the biggest takeaway there is that everything's going down the toilet, apart from New Japan. New yeah. Japan's doing okay. Uh, but again, you know, I do have concerns about the long-term viability of this uh, Bushiro thing. And I know Kidani's a fan and I don't think he's likely to sell because he does take an active interest in, in New Japan. But um, you know, I, I just can't help just wondering, and I don't know if what the answer is, but if New Japan would be better off just being bought by Tony Khan. Oh, my. Imagine that. Oh, I think 
I think that's it, right. W- w- well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if we can get jobs, we'd be interested. <laughs> but you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, that would Sometimes be weird. Go back and listen to anything we've said or tweeted about. Him. Oh my god, just firing off to it. Like it would just be. Truth be told, it would be very depressing. It would. It, it really would stick a knife in my interest in the product. Like that would be the final nail in the coffin. I think. Um, the 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 problem is is that if you look at it from it from a distance, you, you're you are shaking your head and thinking somebody's going to buy this. Like somebody's going to like Bushy Road right now has to be thinking, okay, w- what valuable assets do we have that we can sell now before it, it cools off? And and New Japan is it. And you know Tony would do anything. He would do just about anything, anything to say that he bought New Japan Pro Wrestling, right? That It would be the equivalent of us, you know what I mean, if we had the money. We would be like, oh, sign me up. Let's go. You know, where do I sign? Uh, blank check. And you and you have to figure. You know, if you're if you're buying that company, you're you're eyeing obviously the Japanese market, and you know that's that's now your thing. And what what blends in and what stays separate and all of that. It's an interesting thought. I'm not going to lie, Joel. It's an interesting thought. I don't think it's the best thing on the surface, but I'm going to tell you right now. I think there's a better than, I don't know. Would you go 50-50? Would you go that high? Yeah. I mean, we've got a track record in this podcast of throwing crazy ideas out there. And it's sticking. And then, (laughs) Yeah. And they're happening. Like, remember when you threw out that thing about Okada leaving? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's a... And, and look where we are. And look at where so we are. Wouldn't, wouldn't rule anything out. No. I, that's the one thing I will not do. Like, for every... Oh, that's fucking preposterous, man. What the... These fucking idiots. For every one of those dopes, guess what? <laughs> Stranger things have happened in the past five years. Uh, I would not be surprised. Okay. So let me ask you this. Tony Khan obviously would be the front runner, right? If if we're talking about a person that's in pro wrestling. And I guess what I'm saying is, do you think WWE would have any interest? Yeah, I mean, if they can yeah. use that as a, a conduit to get into the Japanese market, which if rumors are to be believed they wanted to do for a while. The thing is, it's so doing business in Japan is it's kind of like impermeable, isn't it? It's very difficult to make inroads there unless you have Japanese people who understand the scene uh, running the business for you. And we know Tony Khan is not going to fly over to Japan. So he would have to be delegating that responsibility to other people that he trusts. So, I mean, it could just be a case of, okay, I bought new Japan. It's mine now. And you know, hand in the, the, the the reins to get a Romero. Yeah. (laughs) Who, uh, yeah. With a bit of rocky news coming up later, but uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think it, the smart thing to do would be to not try to overhaul everything because if you just go in there all guns blazing and be like right we're going to do this and change this and change this and change this and change this then I think uh, they would come unstuck but yeah there is always that looming threat of 
um, NXT Japan in the background. I think it's like we we obviously didn't have the access to information that we did when you know it was Anoki Sun running the, the thing and and um, outside investors and and all of that. Um, but we do now, and I like I'm I I'm not sitting here shaking in my boots. But I think it's a legitimate concern to have if you are a fan of this product. I think it's something that it should be, again, not occupying too much space. But I think that it's a, you know, it should be in the back of your mind because um, at the at the end of the day, people are looking at profit and losses. And if it if the math doesn't add, then you know that they're going to be shopping. And the, the thing that is the most valuable thing right now, you know, if you're just looking at that P&L, is probably New Japan, right? Um, it's certainly not that mobile game division that they're trying to revamp and all of that. Um, I It wouldn't shock me at this point. Let's, let's, let, let me just say that. And again, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, I have insider information that they're selling. I'm not. I'm just saying that, boy, once again, where there is smoke, you know, where there is smoke, um, fire certainly follows unless it is quickly extinguished. So uh, I'll just I'll just float that out there. Uh, pivoting on to the Rocky thing, Daryl says, what do we think of the Rocky announcement? Uh, so this was announced that he is uh, officially employed by All Elite Wrestling as part of their was there the front office? Um, so Daryl says, do we know if he's completely ditching us? I don't blame anyone for taking the bag from Tony, but it just seems like poaching for the sake of poaching at this point. They can't even use everyone they have on their roster now. Um, no, he's not left New Japan. I think this is just making official uh, a role that he's been performing for Quite some time. about six months now. Yeah, yeah so he, he's the forbidden door guy. And he will continue to be the forbidden door guy, but now he's getting a check from both companies. So, um no, I d- he's not going to be ditching New Japan. Uh, I still think he is playing an important liaison role uh, between those two companies. Uh, so that's, you know, whilst I would love to, <laughs> any excuse to sort of uh, put the boot into AEW and Tony Khan, th- this is not one of them yeah. for me. Yeah. I mean, it, if if you're a fan of the partnership and if you're a fan of the idea of uh, somewhat shared talent, um, and we will see... M- m- uh, I'm, I'm not going to say a lot more, but there are people that uh, I don't know if we're, if we're ready to disclose. But um, I think it's I think it's a safe statement. What do you think? A safe statement to say, Joe, that there will be AEW participants in New Japan Cup. I think that's a safe thing. I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying that, right? Well, I, d- I suppose it depends how much you read into um, contract durability. <laughs> <laughs> clauses, whether if you were to get a contract and I don't know, hypothetically rip it into pieces, does that is that legally binding? Does that mean you're no longer employed by that company? Or uh, t- you know, that's, that's well, you could be any listen, lawyers. You could be get in touch with us. You could be in the weeds, Joel. You could be in the jungle. You could be, you know, any of those two places in this situation, right? Uh, so you know, if you're ripping up contracts, uh, that, that I mean, I would think that would void stuff. Uh, but look, we all know it's a jungle out there. We all know it. <laughs> and uh, look, good, if you're right? not happy, don't don't make me the scapegoat. 
Uh, I'm just the messenger. Yeah. <sighs> well, um, but yeah, I mean that the the Rocky news is uh, again. If you if you are into the partnership and you are into the idea of uh, people and the synergy between the two companies, then yeah, I'll tell you what. Good good on Rocky in the sense that the man knows how to fucking. His phone must have been blowing up, right? And not that it probably doesn't already, but his phone probably was blowing up. There's not a more, to me, there's not a more powerful guy in U.S. pro wrestling at this point, um, aside from, you know, your usual suspects. Your, you know, your obviously, obviously the uh, your Pauls and uh, your Tonys and all them, but. Yeah, it's uh he's in a he's in a real valuable spot. Um if he's he's cashing a check from both places, it's pretty good. Pretty good spot to be in. Uh we also have news about Resurgence Ooh. show being announced with a rather ambitious arena here. So that will be the Toyota Arena on May the 11th. So following out from the sellout at Battle in the Valley in the San Jose Civic, the incredible demand for Windy City Riot in Chicago April 12th. Uh, they are moving to the Toyota Arena in Ontario, California. Mm-hmm. So another very ambitious venue there. So the question comes from William. He says, does the current structure of New Japan Strong Shows in the States also affect the viability of Forbidden Door? They seem to be actually, this is not related to Resurgence at all. So <laughs> let me ask this one first, and we'll use that to pivot onto Resurgence. So does the current structure of New Japan Strong Shows in the States also affect the viability of Forbidden Door. They seem to be doing bigger matches in bigger arenas than previously using a few big AEW stars. So I think, yeah, again, I think they will have to be leaning on that relationship if they want to do a number similar to the one that they are approaching for Windy City Riot. I'll be very surprised if this resurgent show is purely um, New Japan contracted talent. So I'd expect to see plenty of AEW involvement. And, and I did sort of bring up a, a question on Twitter a few days ago that now that Tony Khan has signed so many people, you know, you, you Jay White's Ospreys, Okada, Juice Robinson, let's just throw him in there for good measure. Um, is that sort of compromising the, 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 the draw of forbidden door oh God, yeah. now that they've signed like all, all the best guys right. to have those crossover matches? Like, are there any sort of financially viable crossover matches left? Like, to, 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 I asked the AW fans, are there any New Japan and AW matchups that they still think can draw a, a worthwhile pay per view number, a worthwhile gate? And yeah, they did come up. Some of the people who, who replied came up with some good stuff. So, uh, and again, I don't know how likely or, or realistic these matches are because there's always the politics involved. But um, here's one from Nick Hoover who said Hiromu Darby, Naito Rush, Shota Mox, Finley, Jay White. Uh, Zach versus Danielson three Shingo Kenny so all those are thinking yeah you know what I did, I'm, I'm into those yeah I, I put down money to watch those so whilst we you know the doom mongers might be saying oh you know Forbidden Door's dead they've signed all the best wrestlers what's what's the point anymore I still think with a bit of smart matchmaking there is a lot of good money to be made by New Japan and you just look at what they're doing for Windy City right with a few carefully uh, and timely match announcements like. Hiromu versus um, Mustafa Ali. I know he's not an AW guy, but uh, Naito versus Mox. I'm sure that's doing a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of that that gate. Um, 
I like what New Japan have done so far with their uh, US shows this year and just having these sort of little self-contained narrative arcs where you don't have to be watching every single show that's happening in Japan and they're using each show to set up the next show yeah. and they're put, putting it well in advance so you know you're going to get tasty matches. So I would imagine that for this resurgence show, if they're do, running a venue like Toyota Arena, that they've got plenty of stuff up their sleeve and, and it seems like the... Uh, the the, move, the the movement of talent between the two companies is more fluid than it was before. We're seeing a big name AEW guys taking defeats to New Japan guys. So I think there's sort of fertile ground there to, to do some interesting stuff for this resurgence show. So I'm actually, um, in spite of the Osprey and Okada signings, a bit more optimistic on the, the Forbidden Doors, probably more so than I've ever been, which is weird. Yeah, uh, it's a, it is a weird time. And you know, I have to, tip my cap to them in the sense that you know for years it's it's felt like the the value of these shows have have dwindled drastically we've gone from madison square garden to you know in the middle of what it was garland texas where they barely drew a thousand people it felt like um so yeah this year at least has started out you know, the end tail end of last year and this year has started out pretty, pretty strong, I think. Um, pardon the pun. And I think, and I think that there feels, if, if, at least on the surface, it feels like it's a, a focus and uh, a conscious effort to have that synergy. I, I think they don't necessarily need to run Philadelphia again unless, look, run four times a year here, right? But make it make it valuable. And you could see the I mean Chicago is a great pro wrestling town. End stop. You know, we're, we could end it right there. But um what they did there was very smart in the sense that, you know what, they opened up the the amount of seats that they thought would be reasonable and there was demand. Why? Because they announced a card and a show and a and a card that was sexy enough. Uh, with big names being brought in, which again certainly helps the gate. And then you know they they well listen. I I said it last week or not last week, but the week before. Uh, I'll take the big fat L. I'll take the loss because I sat here and was like, Where's, how in the fuck are they going to do this? And I think they're being a little uh, ambitious. Hey, guess what? They did it. And there are people flying in for this show. There are people uh, traveling. And and again, I think. I think the big factor is, yes, AEW guys, no doubt, but also the fact that having at least something that people can sink their teeth into and say, okay, I'm buying a ticket for that, as opposed to here's the brand coming in. I don't know what's going to happen when I show up, but okay, here, here I'm going to trust them. They they did the right thing, and, and they have been doing the right thing. Look, you know, last U.S. show, headlined by Okada Osprey. Right, that's you know you don't get much sexier than that. This one, Mox and and Naito and and you know the the matches look good, and the matches that they they you know that was uh, suggested by I forget who you mentioned, but yeah, those are all sexy matchups. I would absolutely love to see them but again. It it after you get to that certain point, okay, what's next? But you know, I don't think anybody would bitch and moan seeing. You know, Brian Danielson and 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 Zach again, right? No one would, and no one would would 
sneeze at the idea of having a Mox uh, uh, Shota match. I mean, come on. Why? I mean, that's we're, we're waiting for it. We're dying for it. We'd love to see it. And if, if eventually it, it comes to pass, that, that'd be awesome. Um, a few uh, interesting Okada matches I could book with uh, guys he's not not really worked with yeah. in the company up to this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's, look, I, I you know, you would think that the the idea of a forbidden door would be somewhat lessened by the fact that you know he's scooping up all this talent, but um, quite honestly, we got we got opportunities to have some pretty nice cards. Not gonna lie, uh, yeah. If, like, if both companies are doing their job properly in terms of making new stars and elevating new talent, then it shouldn't be something that has a, a limited shelf life. Right. Now, there were all concerns that. You know, perhaps Tony Khan was more interested in prominently booking the guys who were on top in the sort of 2017 to 2020 period. But um, for, I mean, from what I hear from him, he's taken an interest in the, the newer generation, you know, guys like Shota and Suji. Not, this is not me saying, uh-oh, he's going to sign them, guys, panic, panic. But, um, you know, this could also be a good vehicle to, to get those guys... Um, established more amongst the Western fan base. So a bit of clever matchmaking on, on their part. I, yeah, I, I think the Forbidden Door thing is not something I'm panicking about personally. No. And here's the thing too, though. Like, I know that we sit here a lot and we're not the biggest fans of the partnership and the relationship that is that has been in place. Um, and I, I, I don't think anyone is shocked by me saying that. But we, keep in mind... And, and I'm speaking for me and Joel. If you, you, the idea of a partnership is is I I don't hate, I don't I don't mind. I think it's a, the possibilities can be positive. And 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 you know, if you're a New Japan Pro Wrestling fan, it can benefit both parties. Um, so. Like I personally am not down on having that partnership. I would just like to see the partnership reworked. Now, that being said, there's there has been good stuff. It looks like there's more good stuff to be had. Uh, but I think it's something that needs to be nurtured and it needs to develop. And if what we're saying does come to pass, and Tony does have have you know use his vehicle to to help promote our young stars and at the same time, you know, still scratch the itch of the people who loved new Japan, but may have fallen by the wayside from the product and are following another product, but they're familiar with Hiroshi Tanahashi. They're familiar with Yuji Nagata. They're familiar with, you know, whomever, um, you know, pick a name. So, uh, Minoru Suzuki, we'll just say like, so the, you know, those older school guys, they just still play a huge part in a lot of their fan base's positive look of New Japan. Now, again, for, from a New Japan fan perspective, yes, I want to see, uh, by all means, you can use those guys. But also, again, the, the bigger goal here is to create those new stars. And if we can get them in front of the people to build that, I have no problem using them as as a platform, right? None. So, look, I'm I'm more optimistic about it than I have been, 
And I'm saying that with full, full knowledge and awareness that our biggest star has signed full time there and the best wrestler on planet earth for the past two years is, has, is there as well. So, um, but I think that there is hope for that relationship and it looks like it's trending that way to me. Uh, Antonio asked us a question. He says, um, in a nutshell, should New Japan end its partnership with AW since it isn't 100% benefiting from it? Um, I just think, like, what's the alternative? Like, let's say New Japan says, right, that's it. We're putting the plug. No more relationship. Does that mean that New Japan's top talent are not going to get poached by either AW or WWE? No, it doesn't. That doesn't stop that from happening. Is it going to piss off a lot of the New Japan regulars who enjoy having that forbidden door payday? Yes, it would. And having dynamite paydays and the ability to go and work AEW shows, that would upset a lot of the New Japan regulars because given the way that, as we know, Bushiroad is in the shitter financially and the the problems that the Yen's having, that is a nice little learner for the New Japan guys to be able to work the odd AEW show. So I just think at this point, whilst I, I completely understand why a lot of the New Japan hardcores, myself included, can find the partnership frustrating. I just think what's the alternative? Because I think a world where New Japan doesn't have that relationship with AW is arguably worse than the, the situation where it does have the relationship. Right. And 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 you do again, you hold out hope that, you know, things change and and you know we're we're getting closer to a 50-50 partnership as opposed to, you know, what feels like we're taking it in the butt you know, every fucking month. Um, I mean, we're about to talk about one, one of the, the top matches from New Beginning on Osaka, where we've got one of the, I would say, the top guys in AEW um, eating a, a pin to one of the New Japan guys. So yeah. I'd say it's looking a bit healthier these days. I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm, whereas before I was, you know, just closing my eyes and, and biting my lower lip and just hoping for the best, I, I'm a, a lot more positive feeling in recent weeks. Let's put it that way. Right, well, we've actually very deftly managed to tie together all the bits of news that I wanted to talk about here, so we can get straight into New Beginning in Osaka, unless you want to talk about neckties. Uh, Dr. Garrett says, have you seen the latest fashion offering on Tokon Shop? A range of dashingly handsome neckties, including an LIJ offering. Joel, it's been a few decades since my primary school days, but if teachers still wear ties, will you be getting one? Look, they're, they're lucky if I put on a shirt when I go to work. <laughs> that's a tie. That's just asking a bit too much. So uh, no, I'm not going to be wearing any ties to work, but um, they are, they are quite smart ties. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen them, Damon, but I, I'm tempted, you know, to, I can't actually, I cannot remember the last time I wore a tie. Me too. I was really trying to think. <laughs> I, 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 I hate to say it. I think it's, I think it was at a funeral. That was the last time I wore one. Um, so, would it be appropriate for me to bust out an LIJ tie to go to someone's funeral? Uh, I mean, I gotta see it. Approach the grieving widow and just be like, "Thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> give a little chest pump to the sky. Uh, yeah, I, I, look, I don't like. I like my ties a little simple. Um, I'm not a big fan of the uh, like like goofy ties. Like, I've never been a big fan of that. So, it would have to be very discreet. Any type of uh, logo like that. So, um, but yeah, listen, they they, they feel like they uh, they're trying to co- the corner the uh, Japanese uh, salaryman uh, <laughs> market, maybe. But yeah, I, I I I'm not a big fan of the tie, to be quite honest with you. 
I can't remember the last time I wore it. And I guess, like I said, I think the last time was probably a funeral. Uh, but yeah, I don't know what I, I don't know if you've noticed this trend. Uh, when did this happen? Help me out here. You're, you're closer to the, uh, the youth. Uh, when did wearing sneakers and a suit become a thing? Uh, Well, you'll know that I did this by accident a few years ago when I went to um, a wedding. I I sent you and Dan the pictures and you were like, Joel, what the fuck are you wearing? And I said, that was an accident because I left my shoes at home. So I had to wear trainers to this wedding with my my nice suit. But weirdly, that's come around and and that's actually fashionable and something that people do intentionally these days. I know. I don't get, I don't understand that. Like, you just look so unfinished. Like you're wearing a suit. Like you're you're. It's, it, I you know I don't when I get I guess comfort. But look, I think we. I I'm going to say this. I think we live in a world that where we're too comfortable. I really do. <laughs> you know, I mean, people walking around in their fucking pajamas. Like, come on, what are we doing? The fuck. Put on, like, yeah. I've sent you a picture of those neckties. Do you think? Any of those are appropriate to wear at a funeral. At a funeral, right, let's say. You know what? They're not that bad. Uh, you know what? They're better than I thought. They're better than I thought. Um, I think the the blue one, the blue one, and the kind of like uh, maroony striped one is not bad. <laughs> the pure black the one. LIJ one. Yeah. The, yeah, so the LIJ one is pure black with the LIJ logo sort of near the top. So you could probably get away with wearing that, but you'd have to have your hands covering the LIJ logo for the entire yeah. funeral ceremony. And then people will be coming up to you and, you know, shaking your hands. And eventually they'd ask you like, why, why have you got your left hand hovering over the top of your tie? What is going on here? Move your hands. You'd be like, I'd rather not. They're like, no, you're hiding something. What is it? Move your hand. And then they see that little Los Incovenables logo. And then you'd have to leave and it would, yeah, things would get awkward. It really that. would. Uh, what do you think? What do you think about the the? I don't think the lion mark ones are are awful. No, they they sort of remind me of like school prefect ties. I had to wear a tie when I was in uh, secondary school and sixth form college. So those are the sort of things that we would be wearing. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't think it's. I don't. I was expecting something much worse. Could you wear that at a funeral? Maybe. I'll give you a solid maybe. How about that? Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's better than I thought. That's for sure. That's for sure. I thought you were gonna have like a tie with like Hiromo's goofy face with his tongue hanging. Out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that that little illustration he did with his little cock and balls hanging out. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, something like that. That would be uh, highly or like a you know like a fucking bullet club tie or some shit like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's it's terrible. You know, a mass shooting where you got the bullet club tie, <laughs> right? Right. I'm um, actually. It's funny that you say that. Well, it's not funny, but um, watching. I have uh, my browser up, and uh, I had CNN on, and uh, it was, uh, you know the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Joel, um, I don't know if you were uh, aware of that one. The uh, and they had their parade today. Uh, yeah, yeah, ten people shot. <laughs> it was a big shooting. Oh, unbelievable! I was just like, you know what? That's that's one of my biggest fears, and I don't think many people can relate to that. Like. Big event shootings is something that I am always like, mm, I don't like going to big events like that, like big fucking outdoor 
things like that bother me because just for that reason alone, it's fucking weird. I hate people so much. (laughs) (laughs) I I hate people as well. Um, Now, there were 5,327 people in attendance for the new beginning in Osaka, in the Edian Arena. So good show, very good number, very healthy number. However... There is an elephant in the room that we need to discuss. Uh, Louis says, how many strong zeros did that one loud distracting guy have in the audience? His chance took away from certain matches. Have either of you had a live wrestling show experience dealing with some arsehole ruining the show by being too distracting? Well, there was that guy who was sitting close to us at NXT TakeOver. But we in enjoyed it. That actually made, yeah, that made it much, much better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'll try to remember some of the funny things he said, but that was, that was absolutely fantastic. But um, to answer your question, Louis, the answer is zero. He had zero strong zeros because and I'm not, I'm not going to name this person, but this is a, I think a well-meaning 16 year old kid who huge fan of the product. So this is, it's quite a sensitive one to deal with because we were all idiots when we were 16 years old. And this guy is extremely, I don't know what we call it. Brit rest pilled, amores pilled uh, and liked starting these chants. And it was just one voice. It's not that, to, to my ear, it didn't sound like anyone was joining in. And I have had, people who attend the shows and wrestlers <laughs> saying that they hate this guy <laughs> and they hate the charts and it's ruining the experience for them and they really want them to stop and that I would be doing a, a great public service to the community if I somehow got them to stop doing these charts. However, I don't know. I, I was discussing this with um, our good friend, friend of the show, Kieran of uh, WrestleIn, and, and he raised the point that, you know, maybe it's not our place to police how other people express their fandom but however if it's starting to impinge upon the enjoyment of other people and and distracting the wrestlers then maybe it is time to have that conversation so what should we do about this young man who loves the product but is kind of ruining it for everyone right um I, i look i i am in full agreement i want you to enjoy the product but also have the ability to read a room, right? It's as a 16 year old, truth be told, would I have that ability? No, I barely have it as a, you know, as a fucking 50 year old. Um, that being said, look, I'm not going to tell people what to do, but if like, it's, it is a completely different societal, is that the word I'm looking for element here? In the sense of, one, you wouldn't expect that type of behavior, at least in my experience going to shows in Japan. Like, that was never an issue. In fact, every time that I have gone, I have been diligent to make sure I am not the fucking ugly American, right? Um, somebody can have a talk with them. Somebody can kind of, you know, just again, maybe just. Should it be me? Should it be me that has the talk? No. Should I shoot this guy at DM? No. <laughs> no. That shouldn't be your responsibility. That should be the responsibility of uh, the people there, right? And and that's a tough thing because you know they're not going to come up to the guy. They're just going to stare straight ahead and pretend he doesn't exist, even though he's annoying everyone in the fucking building. Right? We know that's good, what's going to happen. Um, I don't know. As our mutual friend throughout this, this really nice um, Japanese idiom, 
all nails must be hammered down. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is what's required here. Well, again, just it doesn't have to be mean. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, with ill intent. But again, sometimes a 16-year-old kid might need a little guidance on how to conduct himself at a pro wrestling show, period, right? Now, again, if the 16-year-old gets on a flight, flies over to the 2300 arena, that is more than perfectly acceptable, right? Look, here's a perfect example. I go to Japan. I'm not saying a word on the fucking subway or the train. I don't say a fucking peep. In fact, I never sit down. Never sit down. Because to me, I'm a guest and these people have worked or they need to go somewhere and I'm just here for fucking shits and giggles. Like so I try to do that. But that's that's commonplace in that country. Uh I don't jab my chopsticks in the rice. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's just like little things. And I don't know. Yeah, we've all watched that Chris Broad video, things not to do right. when you're in Japan. Right. <laughs> it's a perfect example. Like, the information is there. It's not like it's like 1990 and I don't know how to react. Again, it's it's just about being aware of the room. Um, you know what we need? We, we need another uh, Cop Liger video at the start mm, of the show saying, do not do <laughs> all of these things and just list all the things that this kid does. Uh, I mean, it reminds me, actually, when I went was going to a lot of Arsenal games, this was in around 2006, 2007, and I, how old would I have been? Then? Maybe about 19 years old. And um, me and my, I'd sit with my friend Jack, and we would just be just horrendous, just shrieking, laughing, making stupid, inappropriate jokes, singing stupid songs. And at, at one point, uh, an older guy just turned around to us and said, You're a pair of prats. And we got very defensive. We we're like, Oh, we've been going to games for years, you know, season tickets, blah, blah, blah. And he said, What that? That might all be true, but you're still behaving like prats. Mm. And then we just kind of stared at each other and we're like, you know what? He's right. And after that day, we we toned it down a few notches. So maybe maybe this is what? 16 years old. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, 16 years old. You got to. But now, but here's the thing. If there's somebody that knows this guy and I know that there is one particular person that knows who this person is, that is has a presence <laughs> on our they refuse to do it they refuse to do it really well yeah not for nothing then don't hand out the stickers at the shows how about that keep the stickers in your pocket then because if you're not going to take care of the bad you don't get to reap the benefits of the good okay i'll just i'll just throw out that vague fucking reference right now keep your fucking stickers in your pocket then how about that okay if you can't behave at a show, you're not gonna you're not gonna fucking uh, reap the benefits. You you owe you owe it to have a word. You do, and I don't care how awkward it might be for you. If if what I hear is true, you have an obligation, and you need to step up. Let me tell you something. If somebody went to a show and represented our show and acted like that you're damn fucking straight i'm getting on the horn and i'm gonna have a word i'm gonna i'm gonna say i was gonna say it would be extremely on brands to be uh an absolute nuisance and irritate everyone (laughs) true but that's no i mean again now now we're talking about a big difference 
Does Joel have that responsibility? No, he doesn't. He doesn't have that responsibility. But again, if the shoe's on the other foot and it's the scenario that I just described where there is a connection, come on, step up. Step up. Have a hamburger and step up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Let's get into the show then. So first match, we had uh, Yo and Toriano defeating Oleg Bolton and Busuke Takuchi. Three minutes. Wait, can I say something? One more thing. I'm sorry. Why is it always an issue with that one person? Like every time we turn around, I'm like, there's always like something there. Always, always a little something. All right, I got my eye on you. Troublemaker. No, I got it's my troublemaker. eye. I got my eye on this. We know. Yeah. We know what's up. All right, I got my eye on this. Now I'm now I'm involved. Now <laughs> I'm involved with this, and I got no patience for it. Tell you. All right, I'm sorry. Continue. Uh, yeah, Yo and Yano defeating Oleg Bolton, Ruzke Takuchi. Finish was quite funny where they were doing a dueling. I can't remember what they did. It was like uh, Bolton had Yano in some sort of gut wrench suplex thing was yeah. throwing him about and then Toguchi tried to do it with Yo but then got tired and then Yo ended up stealing the pinfall. So that was quite funny. Uh, that's all I've got on that match. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought it was a creative spot, you know, uh, you know, showing off his strength and then Toguchi fucks up, breaks his back and a little one, two, three. I thought it was, you know, look, for, for a comedy finish, I thought, you know, somewhat creative. I liked it. And good that uh, Oleg Bolton's not taking the pinfall there because you might look at that and think, well, there's one young line in this match, so they must be taking the pin, but not the case here. So we're all just sort of sitting around waiting for them to pull the trigger on Oleg Bolton. You know, does he really need to go on excursion? I would say not. I would hope they accelerate things a bit here, but um, yeah, we're just waiting on him because I like him a lot. He's good and cool. Um, you know, don't send him on excursion. Just make a vignette of him. I don't know, wrestling a bear in Siberia and then re-debut him uh, cosplaying uh, Zangiev from Street Fighter 2 and we're off to the races. So those are my thoughts on uh, that match. Uh, second match, we had uh, Bishamon Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto defeating Callum Newman and Great Khan, 7 minutes, 37 seconds uh, via Shoto. And there was a really interesting backstage monologue from Great Khan talking about Osprey and his sort of conflicting thoughts on him and sharing some memories and sort of discussions they had together and the sort of creative input for United Empire. So if you've not seen that, that's that's really worth checking out because it was very, very thoughtful. And yeah, I mean, great Okan, despite being KOPW champion, is a bit of a weird spot because he's sort of fell through the cracks really when it came to this big feud that they've had with uh, Bullet Club. He's been on the periphery of it and I'm not sure why. Um, and, you know, it's become a, a meme on our Discord of great Okan is going on a run. Um, but he, he's someone who I just I find interesting to observe, even if I've kind of given up hope of him getting the big push that you know we maybe thought was inevitable a few years ago. You know, after he, he had that big match with Naito, knocked him out of the New Japan Cup, and, and we were singing his praises, and that's all sort of petered out a bit. So it's a, a strange time um, for Grego Khan. Um, also found out that Hiroki Goto lost his father recently, oh. so he's been in dealing with that. So wish, wishing him all the best and. Um, yeah, another good show from Callum Newman, who we'll touch on later, but I think the the sentiment in the company is that he is, next. is a, a long-term blue-chip prospect. He is being groomed yeah. for that United Empire leadership uh, in, in the long term. So, you know, I've spoken about keeping these guys at arm's length because 
it's inevitable that if a guy catches fire and ends up becoming a big star, that they will get signed by one of the big American companies. But does that mean you shouldn't enjoy them while they're in New Japan? I don't know. I mean, I, I have said that before, but I'm flip-flopping because at, at the end of the day, we want to enjoy this product that we're watching. Otherwise, what's the point? So, um, yeah, maybe... I don't know. Like, if, if we're expecting him to have the, a similar run that Osprey did, then it's just enjoy him while he's around. You have to. I mean, that's the attitude you have to have at this point, right? Um, you can't dread five years from now, you know, when the, the checkbooks come out. You just can't. You have to watch the, the kid develop and watch the kid grow and enjoy the ride and what he gives. Here's a good part. Um, y- y- you know, you're getting undamaged goods at that point, right? You are watching a, a youngster who doesn't necessarily have all the injuries that come along with wrestling in the business for, you know, 15 years or what have you. So uh, again, you still, you get, you get freshness, you get uh, innovation, you get uh, talent and you get, watch them grow and become stars and then you cross your fingers and you hope you're in a good spot to to say okay let's let's extend this let's 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 keep you around now every indication that i have gotten from others has been that this is his dream like he's this is what he wants um we've heard that song and dance before um and i'm not not saying that as he wakes up in his bed that his heart is not pure with those thoughts um I'm just saying, you know, when the time comes and the and the and the money truck backs up in his backyard, okay, that's you know that that's really what when it matters. Uh, I think another thing was pretty that was really telling was, uh, and I, again, obviously we're going to get there, but uh, the the post match interview with United Kingdom and Osprey and him kind of talking about uh, the relationship that he has and how he wants Japan to kind of treat him like. Uh, you know, treat um, Callum like like he was treated. Um, it's nice that, isn't it? Using your last part of your last big promo yep. after your last big match with the company to put over one of the young guys. Yep. A, a novel concept. People keep telling me that no one ever does that in New Japan, but well, here we go. Here we go. I mean, that look. I'm going to say it out loud. I, I talk about doing the right thing. In in every aspect of what can I do to leave this place better than when I got here? Uh, we'll get onto yeah, that. We'll, we'll get, get onto that. that. I don't want to blow our load on that. Yep. But Callum Newman, he's 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 around for the long term. Yep. All right. Uh, third match. Then we had uh, the House of Torch team: Yudro, Ren Narita, Show, and Evil defeating Tiger Mask. Honma, Desperado, and Shota Umino. So Show pinned Tiger Mask after 8 minutes, 43 seconds, following the shock arrow. So few developments here. So Despi has said that he will put his uh, junior title on the line against Show in Sapporo. But if Show loses, he will have to join Strongstar, which at the moment I think is just him. <laughs> it is a, it's a one-man faction at this point. Uh, Red Bear Hugh says, if Despi beat Show, do you think they commit to the faction change or does Show just say fuck it and stick with the house? Um, I've been burnt on these stipulations because I remember uh, in another great Okan one when he wrestled um, Tenzan, Tenzan yeah. for the 
rights to use the Mongolian job. And then Tenzan just kept doing it anyway. And after that point, I, I was genuinely upset by that. I was like, what the hell? I mean, that was such a small thing to have a, 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 a cool thing, I think, to have a, as a match stipulation to give it a bit of extra stakes and extra meaning. And then they just completely blew it off straight away. So um, if Despi wins, I would not be immediately thinking, right, that's it. Show's leaving the house and he's going to go back to his, um, you know, pre-House of Torture, his chaos days. He's going to be wrestling clean, da da da. It would be interesting if he did, um, but what's, yeah, what's I figure the upside of that, might be in that. <sighs> I, I quite like Funny Face Show. I mean, I, I, I mean, I would love to see him <laughs> not be Funny Face Show, but I mean, like, I just think the other option that's on the table is, you know, is literally shooting yourself into obscurity. <laughs> I mean, like what would be the point of that? Um, so yeah, we'll see, but I, I, I'm not holding my breath on that one. Uh, then we have the fourth match, which was just five guys. Takamichi Noku, Doki, Yue Uemura, Taichi, and Sanada defeating the LIJ team of Bushi, Hiromu, Yotsuji, Shingo Takagi, Tetsuya Naito. Uh, Sanada got the pin, or was it a submission, uh, over Bushi in 11 minutes, five seconds with the skull end. Uh, this just feels very, very cold. It's the same this, thing we've uh, seen for months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, I wish it was. I wish the Sonata Naito stuff is dead, isn't it? Okay, I will say this, right? The, there are some interesting backstage interactions between Shingo and Taichi where they seem to have added a, an unofficial stipulation to their match where they've put their respective YouTube channels on the line. And I don't know what exactly this means, if like the loser has to delete their YouTube channel but they were talking about it a lot. So that's something to keep an eye on. And also, I'm not going to talk about Fantastic Mania because I, tr- I watched the first show and have absolutely nothing to say about it. Well, two things I have to say about it. One of them is, did you see the broadcast part of Kamaitachi's entrance? Where he's, I, I saw the, uh, the uh, like a clip of it where he hums it. You know, he's humming the song. Yeah, yeah. yeah I did see that. Uh, that was very good. And I said to it, what a missed opportunity. They should do that every time that there's a music's right problem. And just think of the, the, all the years we missed out on having Togi Makabe humming the, uh, the immigrant immigrant <laughs> song <laughs> theme tune. Every- <laughs> yeah, that'd be great to have him hit that high the high point uh, notes. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. I did see that. I thought that was pretty uh, interesting. I haven't watched the. Uh, truth be told, I haven't watched anything from Fantastic Mania yet. Oh, yeah. yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing musty. I'll, no. I'll keep up with it, and I will let you and the listeners know if there's anything musty because it was really great. The, the top two matches on the um, the show on Monday were fun. You know, if you've got the free time to watch them, great. But uh, there's nothing. Last nights are musty. usually good. Like the last two nights are usually really good at Cork, and, um, and so yeah. I usually go out of my way to watch those. But um, yeah, overall, everybody knows it's not my it's not my bag. And uh, Walker Stewart, he's doing a tremendous job on the solo commentary there. So um, well done to him as well. Uh, right, let's move on then to the fifth match, which was uh, Kazuchika Okada in his final singles match uh, as a New Japan contra- contracted wrestler, defeating his old rival, Hiroshi Tanahashi. What was it, like nearly 12 years to the day? Same arena where, uh, where there was the Rainmaker shop. So defeating Tanahashi, 60 minutes, 50 seconds via Rainmaker. Uh, this was a, a nice little tribute to their match in San Jose last year. So it was good. Good stuff. I liked it. I liked it's, it. Uh, diminishing returns for me. Like I, I, I'm stealing a bit from Jay Michael, who said that their Dallas match, their G1 match, was like a tribute, like them playing the greatest hits, tribute to their feud up to that point. And then 
the San Jose match felt like a tribute to the Dallas match. And now this match felt like a tribute to the San Jose match. So we've got kind of like a Russian nesting doll situation here. But um, I mean, the match itself was just good. I liked it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was well done. And, and um, Eric says, Okada and Osprey leaving here, yeah, sure. But the most pressing question is, how can New Japan not own the rights to high energy? So yeah, uh, Tanahashi came up with his old entrance music. And I'm just staggered that they don't have the rights to that because I thought that was composed in-house, right. but obviously not. Um, and, and again, just an interesting little wrinkle here that they gave Tanahashi the more um, you know nostalgic and crowd-popping entrance in this. That was Okada's final singles match. So just something to think about there. But um Match was good. I liked it. It was very. It was. It was a, one of those matches that um, you could probably call from your living room, right? But even that being said, there still was passion and energy, and I did. I did like the fact that the crowd kind of swayed back and forth, uh, you know, booing Okada at certain points and uh, cheering for Tanahashi. It's look. I, I think. I think those two and and those series of matches mean so much to a lot of the people that listen to the show and rightfully so it's it's one of the greatest feuds between two of the greatest wrestlers of all time it's it's your flair steamboat you know what i mean it's your uh i don't i mean it's your misawa you know kabashi i don't know hansen i don't, I don't know i'm you know, but you know you get, you get what i'm saying like like it's not every day that you get the that and the opportunity to put the back cover on the book, right? And and you know, it's. It, I think the match itself was a fitting end to the greatness that was that feud. I got no problem with it. Um, so why are we doing two more ten man tag matches? Then I don't know what's going on there. Joel, Let's talk about no that. idea. We've we've got announced right first night at Sapporo. The third match on the show is going to be Yo, Yoshihashi, Goto, Ishii, and Okada against Callum Newman, Francesco Akare, Henare, Greta Kant, and Jeff Cobb. And then the final match, Okada's big goodbye, Sapporo Night 2, second match on the card. So second match of a nine match, well, ten match if we include the Frontier Zone. They might as well have put in the fucking Frontier Zone. Uh, Yoshihashi, Goto, Ishii, Tanahashi, Okada against Akira, Henare, Greta Kant, Jeff Cobb, and Matt Riddle. So... You know, I, I'm, I'm moving past the point of like ranting around. Oh, Carter should have put over the young guys. Like, you know, I'm not not doing that anymore. That's been done to death. What I think is interesting here is I'm picking this. Uh, like, do we read anything into this? The fact that his last match is the second match. It's a ten man tag match. It is behind Tamatonga's farewell match. It's behind Bushi versus Takamichinoku singles match. You, you would have thought if this is Okada, well, it is Okada's final New Japan match that they would feature it a bit more prominently than that. And it could just be a case of them, you know, wanting to give the Sapporo fans a chance to say goodbye. You know, maybe they advertise him for the show and they don't want to let those fans down and they're just trying to do it in a low-key manner. But I just, I, I just can't help. And I know these are outside of his contract. And I just think, what, What's the point? what is going on here? Because my, my reading of this, I, I just cannot get away from the perception that this is the the office Sukubayashi being like, yes, you can do these dates, but fuck you, you're going to the second match in a ten man tag, right? Yeah, like like you described previously, you know, just holding their nose and gritting their teeth and putting on a nice face, but yeah, 
And now, and again, maybe the positioning of the, sh- the of that particular match does scream that there might be a, a big angle, right? And and they're going to have it this early in the show so that you know it doesn't take away from the other impactful things that they have planned. Um, At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Because you know what, Damon? So I, I'd work myself into a shoot because after the, the Zack Sabre Jr. match, apparently, like, I watched it back. I think he just said he's coming for Naito and Sanada. And then Chris Charlton said, oh, he called out Okada. Right. And he had mentioned Okada before. And me and Jay Michael were talking with, oh, this, maybe the last match is going to be singles match with Zach and he's finally going to put Zach over and Zach, you know, full rocket ship. He's going to beat Danielson and beat Okada. We're off to the races. <laughs> and then these matches were announced. And I thought, oh yeah, no, I should have known better there. Yeah. And it's going to be weird in the sense that, okay, so that's going to be, match number two of you know of his farewell tour you know and there's you know you still have the rest of the show to go on it's not even like it's it's nakamura where he gets that send off in cork and hall and he cuts his promo and everyone's at ringside and everyone's wearing his t-shirt and uh the fans all have placards saying goodbye and he gets carried out of the arena on Okada's shoulders. Is that happening in match what, three? Two. Two. My bad. Want to make that distinction? Yeah, yeah. that is a that is a pretty big distinction. But you know what I mean? Like that's not happening. It's him waving and goodbye. Like like it just seems like a weird spot. And yeah, it does feel like it's one of those things where the company is just gritting their teeth and putting on a phony smile and. You know, it's like it, like he, I'm not going to say it's not like he ever existed, but I don't, he's basically jerking the curtain here, right? It's, it's saying something. Yeah. I just think it, the, the Coroquin match where they relinquished the six month titles, that I think would have been a really fitting send off. And even this Tanahashi singles match was also an equally fitting send off, but just the way it's kind of been dragged out and fizzling out is very weird and, and leaving a strange taste in the mouth. So, um, yeah, definitely a, an odd situation all round. Um, all right, let's move on to the next match then. So sixth match was the RWGP Tag Team Championship match where Chase Owens and Kenta defeated El Fantasma and Hikolo in 30 minutes and 11 seconds uh, via roll-up. So I ask you this, then: what is the worst thing that Taiji Ishimori has done this week? Was it the Nazi salute? Mm. At Fantastic Mania, or was it helping Chase and Kenta to win these tag titles? Um, I thought that would get a bigger laugh. That no, was, it did. <laughs> Only I was really proud of that one. I, it was kind of no. Don't get me wrong. It was more of me. Like I acknowledged the joke, but like I didn't. Like I, I was bothered by it, and I know I might sound a little weird when I say this, but like I just expected more from a company that's trying to be international. I don't know. And I don't think... Well, no, I... Okay, no, go on, sorry. No, I just, you know, I just... I 
look, me sitting in my house in New Jersey means nothing being uncomfortable with that. Like, but again, if you want to be an international company, like there, there's gotta be some kind of checks and balances to be like, okay, we might not want to do something like that in the sense of, and again, I don't even think it was pre-planned. I don't know. Like, I just, I, I'm finding it hard to fucking find a way to say, okay, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find excuses for the guy that, that did that. And I'm trying to, to hide behind the fact that, okay, it's in Japan and, and it's different rules and different things. If this were just done in Japan, maybe I wouldn't necessarily be as bothered by it. But um, I, I can't lie; I was a little bothered by it. <laughs> uh, it's better than the uh, the Dominion two thousand nine poster. You know the one? Oh I'm yeah, talking yeah, about. yes, I do. I absolutely do. I absolutely <laughs> the do. massive swastika, an SS symbol, and, and Nazi imagery all over it. Right. So, yeah, I do, I do. Uh, okay. Let me let me play devil's advocate. Okay. Now, let, uh, I'll speak um, as a, a Jewish person, and of course, I'm not going to say I'm speaking for the entire Jewish community because that that would be preposterous. Just my own personal experience with this that. Um, having spent a lot of time in Asia, um, Nazism is not something that's taught there. It's not part of the school curriculum as far as I know. Uh, you know, in the West, we have our very Western-centric lens of which to learn about World War II. And in the same in Asia, they do things through the Asian lens. So there were a lot of um, Asian aspects to World War II that I was ignorant of and I learned about over there. And in the same way, I think uh, in Asia, that's just, it's not something that's taught, you know, the Nazism, the Holocaust, and all that. So um, I have experienced firsthand, you know, teaching young students in Thailand who they they know that Hitler and Nazism and swastikas is a like a, a shocking sort of counterculture or symbol, but they're not aware of the full significance of it. They don't know what it means. They don't know you know the impact that can have on other people. So I've you know, had quite a few conversations about that. We're about to sit down with you know good kids well-meaning kids and say look it's not okay to do this or draw this or say this and this is why and after they were mortified afterwards they had no idea and they were grateful for being smartened up and and i think this is what's going on here because this they they from what i understand ishimura got in a lot of trouble for it backstage um i think he was fined and they edited that out of the broadcast i think if you're watching the live broadcast you would have seen it but i think if you go on new japan they've edited it out so it's yeah absolutely not something that they told him to go out and do and to give ishimura the benefit of the doubt i i think it was done out of ignorance not malice now that's not to excuse him like it was a very stupid thing to do and he and and other people should, should not do that again obviously no one should be doing that and yeah maybe need to I don't know if you want to take the whole roster and just give them a quick whistle stop uh, history tour of World War II. I don't know, but um, yeah, I'm I'm going to have a, a more sort of generous interpretation of this and say um, daft thing to do, but not hateful. I, I think I, I'm in the same boat as you, and I think you said it as more eloquently than I certainly could have. Um, yeah, I, I, look, I was. I was kind of like, whoa, what, what is it? What? Um, so yeah, it's that I, I don't hey, think you're a racist now, Taiji. <laughs> I know. I know. All right. All right. So there you go. Um, what, so yeah, this, I mean, this, um, tag titles then. I mean, my read on this yeah. is that 
I've said before, I think this is guys extending their contract and they are in the contract negotiations trying to leverage in a bit of a push themselves. I cannot imagine that with, you know, the blank notebook in front of him, Ghetto's cracking his knuckles thinking, right, what are we going to do with these uh, heavyweight tag titles? I know, let's put them on Chase Owens and Kenta. I don't believe that was the plan. I think this is a situation where one or both of these guys extended their contract saying, look, I'll, I'll sign, I'll accept this small number, but I want a tag title push. I'll, I, I want to hold the tag team championship. You really think that so, Really? I held I do, the, I do. I held the tag team titles, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> there are pictures of me holding those very titles at Yano's bar with a bunch of drunk That's Australians. The- <laughs> right? And and a drunk New Zealander who was running getting us beers. Uh yes, there's uh there's no value in that. I, I can't imagine him being like, Yeah, I really want those tag titles. Um I don't look, once again, it, it just leaves me scratching my head because why would you look the tag titles were at a at a at a spot on the dome show where it, it had value, and they made the change, and I'm totally fine with that. You know, new faces, fresh faces, holding, the, and then they drop it to this team. It I'm baffled by it. If it's a negotiation uh, ploy that that was made to have this done, um, boy. The, the, it doesn't sound like they're, they're, they drive a hard bargain there in New Japan for wrestling. Uh, I'm, I'm, I was mouth agape <laughs> just at, like, what am I looking at here? I think what is mo- most disappointing is this. The amount of talent that is available to New Japan pro wrestling um, and that they currently have and once again, this is the direction that they decide to go. This might be a one and done title defense. Who knows, right? But it just seems very odd to me that this is what they came up with. And if this is a hard pivot, okay. I just I'm I I'm just left scratching my head. You know, I I know we haven't done the awards. Did you do the awards last week? <laughs> no, we didn't. I've got them. I've got the results here, but I'm just waiting for the right time. Right time. There is no right there time. So I've completely missed the boat, and I hold my hand up, and I fuck that up completely. But we'll we'll just wait for a slow slow news week yeah. to. Uh, well, let's it. put it this way: the people that won are all gone. <laughs> they're all they're all left. <laughs> so what's the point? Uh, but like again, what our awards are just a small taste and a small sample of the overall picture of New Japan Pro Wrestling fandom. Chase Owens is always the top of least favorite. Always. Every fucking year. I just don't understand it. Look, what are you going to do? One of those things where you just left scratching your head. Yeah, I'm just getting the results out now, so you can have a little sneak preview of this. Um, Favorite wrestler. Okay, so (laughs) two out of the top four favorite wrestlers have now left. So (laughs) there's that. And uh, least favorite wrestler of the year. Uh, Yeah, first place, Bad Luck Farley. Second place, Chase Owens. Yeah, enjoy enjoy that, right? And where's Um, Kenta on that list? Kenta's probably on that list, right? He is on the list. He got two second place votes. So he's pretty far down that list. Okay. 
yeah. Okay. I would say statistically insignificant, but uh, it's funny, even Kenta acknowledging that it's the piss break match. Um, Pile driver profile, it says, future attack team division, will Kenta and Owens have a proper reign as champions or will they only serve as transitional champions? I mean, please, God, make it the latter, because I could rattle off about 20 heavyweight tag teams that I would rather have as champions. And look, they, 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 these guys are competent wrestlers. I'm not going to go out here and say, like, it was a terrible one-star match and they fucked everything up. It wasn't. It's just boring. And, and John Carroll on the show, I think, did a good job in explaining just the fact that these two feel so weird and out of place where we've got House of Torture on one side and then the War Dogs on the other side and, and both do, doing well at what they're doing. And then these guys just sort of stuck in the middle of it, just doing their feels like kind of lazy, tired um, US wrestling heel stick. It just, it, it's of no interest to me. I don't really think it's interesting to the fans and uh, hopefully it will be over soon. Right. I mean, can I ask you this? How many times did Okan and Cobb win the tag titles? Um, Zero. Gosh, I think it might have just been once. Was it once? Wasn't it? Did they win? Did they, didn't they drop it to Kenta and no Chase and Farley in a three-way? Oh, uh, yes, yeah, but I guess my point. Well, I remember on this show, you said on this podcast, raving about how great the. Um, Khan on the cob win was when they beat, I think it was Bishamon and being like, yes, this is it. You know, heavyweight tag division's cooking. And then they go and do this. It just seems that, I don't know. Right. It's a shoulder shrug. I, I, yeah, don't have an answer. Maybe he, you know what? Maybe he brings cupcakes to the locker room. Right. And they're so delicious. Well, that- we know. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll say no more. We- yeah, me too. Right. I, blah, 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 blah. I, I don't want to get sued. If you know, you know. Yeah, right. Uh, right. Let's move on to the seventh match, which is a special singles match with Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Brian Danielson, thirty-two minutes forty-six seconds via crucifix pin. Damon, I'm going to let you go first on this one. Talk to me about this wonderful celebration of professional wrestling. Oh, look, there are times in life where it is so fun to be a pro wrestling fan, and this is one of them. Um, it it lived up to my expectations. I think it lived up to the hype. I think it lived up to uh, every expectation people had. I don't I don't know of a person who watched that match and and was disappointed or you know didn't couldn't find a way to get into it. Um, it's I find it amazing that a guy who you know we talk about all the injuries and we talk about all the. Uh, the, the struggles that he's had just getting back into the ring, right? Look at look look at look at what he does. Um I I I hope and I pray that we see this again, one. And then two, I really hope that this is a just another spark and it's just a, a nice little launching point for this big, fat, juicy Zach run. That I hope we go on. I, I'm, I'm shocked that we are not full rocket ship. Let's go. This is our guy. This is our heel. This is our, this is our money guy. Because to me, it's he's got everything from the character, the interviews, the the, the and obviously the in ring work. It's unbelievable. I, I, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this match, particularly the finish, the fact that our guy got a win, 
on a big show against a big name. Um, and not only that, like that small little tip of the cap of, okay, if there is a torch that we're passing here, that there was a torch symbolically passed. Loved it. Um, I think this match is going to be on a lot of people's match of the year. Uh, um, if you love this style, you, you had a boner the whole fucking way. Uh, it was hard hitting. It never felt slow. It never felt like it, 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 it lost its welcome. It was a great match. And, and to me, it, this is what we should be focused on. Um, and I know that in, in certain places and at certain pockets we do, but when you have like back to back and even, you know, three matches in a row that what a great hour and a half of fucking pro wrestling just, and, and this match helped anchor that and helped solidify that. So, yep. Great job by both guys. I can't praise it high enough. It's one of my favorite matches, uh, obviously of this year, and I'm sure it'll be on my short list. Yeah. And I've been saying for a while now, I think it is time that we do push that to that next level, because I mean, again, looking at our year end awards poll and the rest of the year poll, he finished in second place. And uh, admittedly, it was quite far behind uh, Osprey, who obviously finished first, but uh, he, he was second nonetheless. And uh, if I remember correctly, I think he placed pretty highly the year before that. And in the favourite wrestler of the year poll, he was also in second place. So this is a guy who you know is absolutely resonating with the Western fans, at least. And, and you know we know that he's popular with the home fans as well. And the, the question I would always ask myself, is Zach a guy that I could see winning the world title, yeah. could he beat the guy to dethrone Naito? You know, he's got that history with Naito. He's like Naito's bogey opponent. Yeah. So it would make absolute sense. Could I see Zach main event in a Wrestle Kingdom? And look, after, for me, since after Sonata has main evented it, all bets are off. Why not? You know, if, he, if Sonata can do it, Zach can do it as well. So I, I don't know if this is, if we're looking as soon as New Japan Cup, if we're getting a third New Japan Cup victory for Zach and then he actually goes on to to win the world title this time. Why not? Let's Why go not? for it. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. What do we got to lose? Right. Um, I'm all for it. I, I love that plan. And here's the thing too. Like he's one guy that I don't feel has been dinged up. I'm not saying he's fucking Teflon, but like him losing and, and, and then maybe even going on stretches where he's, you know, in, in a tag situation with Tai Chi or he's, Wherever. Like, I don't feel like there's ever a time where people are hand waving Zach like they would, like, you know, I don't know, Yoshihashi or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, you could easily, if you book him wisely, to be a fucking, I call it all the time, a fucking problem. And and oh, I just think there's so much to be had with that. Um, he's got that rep. Look, the one thing that did him a world of good is when he went on that, that submission run where everybody was just fucking tapping out and tapping out and tapping out and stars, big names. Um, he still has that. We, we, as a promotion, they still have that in their back pocket. They can go to that at any time and, and, and relight that fire. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, to me, that just seems like money to be made. I really do. Um, I, I, I'm begging for that, begging for that direction. Yeah, and Zach has 
has called out Okada by name in recent weeks. So maybe, maybe that's our Forbidden Door program. Maybe he finally puts over Zach uh, in uh, yeah, I, so. World <laughs> I don't, I don't know how the timings line up, but um, it's interesting to note that Danielson backstage emphasised that he was physically and mentally at one hundred percent. And no excuses, no eye injury, no arm injury. He said that Zach is the best technical wrestler in the world. So a, a concerted effort to really put this guy over. And he also, Danielson said that he would like to have a rubber match. He said he wants a two out of three falls match on neutral ground, whatever that means. Um, my so, backyard. Uh, You're yeah. going to have it in my backyard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll host it. Uh, but yeah, exciting times for uh, Zach Sabre Jr. So uh, let's move on then and talk about the main event oh boy this is the a dog pound cage match which finished after one hour four minutes and five seconds with david finley pinning will osprey after hitting his finishing move overkill again damon i would like you to go first here because i'm yeah. fascinated to hear what you thought about this match from the little text message snippets i've got from you i know you've probably got a lot to say about this. i do uh shockingly the match when you look back in the history of pro wrestling, right, um, it's not always the most technically sound matches. It's not always the, quote, mat classics that you turn to when you think of your memories of pro wrestling. A lot of times it's raw. It's somewhat sloppy. It's uh, 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 nerve wracking a little bit. Right, you're on edge. Uh, you feel you feel the excitement, um, and you go back in time, and you can you could put like matches like oh, you know Magnum and Tully. I quit. Right, you could put uh, you could put Valentine and Roddy Piper chain match, doll collar match from Starcade, uh, and you can you can do that. You can, Tommy Rich and, and Buzz Sawyer. The last battle of Atlanta. Uh, this is one of the first times in this promotion that I could remember where violence and raw and uh, emotion and chaos and you know nervousness from a fan perspective has been present in a new Japan pro wrestling ring. I I think of this match as like a really great punk show that you see in a small club where, Hey, you know what? They're not hitting every fucking note, but the energy and the rawness and the passion and the crowd and the feeling that is generated. Like to me, this match, I felt more than a lot of matches that might be labeled technically sound. The sloppiness added to the match. The chaos added to the match. It truly felt like these two teams fucking hated each other. And the missteps and the fuck-ups and, quite honestly, even the awkwardness of them ripping up the ring and wrestling on wood planks that were giving out to everyone. I was so afraid of people just falling through and blowing out a knee and losing their fucking career. Like, that's the last thing I would want to see. But yet, 
I'm at the edge of my fucking chair watching this car crash happen. Um, and, and the crowd went absolutely silent. For that. Like you could feel the collective intake of breath. That they were just sort of horrified, yeah. thinking, "What? What the fuck are we watching here?" Like they did not know how to respond to that at all. No. And, and, and truth be told, it's been so long since we've seen something like that. Look, you can you can giggle and say well, you see it fucking every month in in like a promotion like Big Japan or Freedoms, but I think it's different. I I, I because to me the the gore uh, shock value when you see it every month it does get less and less and trust me that that's a promotion that that pushes the envelope of that um with some of the stuff they do that okay you know month to month they keep upping the ante but i never feel that just i'm on the edge of my seat feeling the danger there are, there have been times there have been times i, I can't lie but I like for me an hour straight. I'm watching this match, just watching guys put their bodies and and let. I'm not being. I don't think I'm being just out of out of line. Their bodies and their and their careers and their livelihoods yeah. on the line. Hanare got fucked up, and he did it. A lot of this stuff, and, and again, Gabe Kid recklessly throwing chairs and hitting like you kind of like it. Let's put it this way. That match shook the people that were in the match, <laughs> right? People in the match are still kind of shook by it. Uh, look, I loved it. I, I, I I'm going to sit here and tell you that for an hour, I was glued to my TV watching what I thought was a violent, messy, sloppy pro wrestling fight in a cage that, okay, let's be honest, the cage looked a little bit hokey. It did look a little cheesy. It did look a little low rent. I think it added to it. I I, I, I really do. I think it added to it. Um, it was, it was, I you know, when you know how we always complain about oh every fucking match you know every main event in Philly has to be a Philly street fight okay and like this was a true fight <laughs> you know like I, I and yes there were elements of of campiness you know when TJP broke into his fucking you know goofy mask character okay great um and yes there were other times where it was like okay this is we're 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 on a little goofy side of pro wrestling and at the end yes okay we're taking a page out of Shawn michaels playbook here um but even will will saying okay you know he pushes uh akira out of the ring and he's like i'm going to take everything you got i'm going to be the guy i'm the leader i'm taking i'm getting my ass whipped and taking the fall and that's that like I always sit here and say, Joel, a lot of times that guys are really good. Wrestlers are really good, but they need sandpaper. They need some grit. They need some uh, uh, a little bit of an edge. Everybody in that match came out of that with like that feeling for me. Like everyone had been elevated with extra grit. Um. I loved it. I really thought it was great. 
I I know comp- people complained about the time and how long it went. It didn't bother me at all. Didn't bother me at all. Um, I loved it, and it's one of my favorite matches. Truth be told, it's one of my favorite matches that I've seen in a very long time. That is so outside the box for me, uh, and I think I might like it more because of that. Yeah, I think this is my match of the year so far, and and weird because it didn't really feel like a professional wrestling match, especially sort of violently juxtaposed to that uh, Danielson Zack Sabre Junior match, which was everything this match wasn't right. in the best possible way. Like, what a great contrast! This felt less like a wrestling match and more like I don't know, like the climax of a, a, a movie or, or like a, 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 a TV series finale you know where you get that episode sort of near the end where everything just kicks off all the stuff that's been bubbling on the surface just blows up and you get an hour of just balls to the wall violence where every little thing is is paying off and you know it's almost a match that kind of i don't know defies or or rejects a, a traditional like star rating or review like some people love it some people hate it and none of them are wrong uh, but I always feel sort of going through, like you, you might do with a typical wrestling match, like going through spot by spot and saying, oh, this bit was good or this bit was bad. I feel like almost as like missing the point right. somewhat. I mean, I could list some of the stuff that I thought was great. Like, you know, uh, Driller Maloney coming out with a bandolier of forks and him doing the, the Driller Killer on top of the pile of bodies. That was one of the highlights for me. And the bit at the end where they're all surrounding um, Will Ospreay and Gabe Kizian, you're fucked, you're absolutely fucked. Just a lot of really memorable moments that, and like you said, you remember you remember the way you feel yep. watching the match, and there are a lot of really memorable emotions for me, like a, a real roller coaster. As cliche is to say it, this was just like undiluted, unrestrained, and unprecedented because I've never seen anything like this before. I've seen stuff that's come close to it, but it, it, I don't think it can compare to anything before it or and I don't think anything that comes after it will ever be like it I thought this was just like a perfect storm of of everything going on everything that's right with New Japan in early 2024 and a lot of the stuff that's wrong with it as well you you know you mentioned a few examples there but just absolute selfless brilliance from Will Ospreay who who's put David Finley over twice on his way out of the company Um, so let's give him his flowers for that and, and doing business the right way and I've talked before about Francesco Acura, who has been the heart and soul of this entire feud, and he was outstanding here. He, I think, he made everything work with that. You know, a lot of people don't like some of the guys in United Empire, and it's hard to sympathise with them. But I don't know many people who can't get behind Francesco Acura, and just the great story that they told with him. You know, with his uncertainty, and he saying, "Look, I, I just want to be the junior tag champions. I don't want any of this." And he's in over his head. But then, you know, finally he gets his bit of revenge, even though he doesn't win. But uh, you know, he had his moment, and I thought he was probably the biggest star of the match. You know, so if we're looking for a, a traditional babyface here, but I, I can't really fault anyone. I thought every single man gave their all. I mean, there's particular people I could, I could single out for praise. I thought Clark Connors was was brilliant as well. And some of the, the stuff that he put his body through, which he didn't need to do that. But, it, it, you know, I, I might have hated some of the stuff that some of the guys contributed, but I do believe that it was all done with the absolute heartfelt conviction from all the people involved that it, it meant something to the fans. And everyone 
everyone got to have their ideas in. I don't, I don't think it would have been the same if there was some oversight, you know, someone in the room saying, no, that idea is stupid. We're not doing that. It feels like they said yes to everything. And this is what happens. Like when every cook in the room gets to throw in everything. It's like George's marvelous medicine. And yeah, like you said, you might've thought that some of the moments were, were absurd and, you know, drop the match, ruin the match, whatever. You'd be well within your right to think that. But I, I would just like to celebrate the fact that a company like New Japan Pro Wrestling exists, where there are these ten brilliant weirdos who can come up with this absolute dog's dinner of a match that I'm never ever going to forget. And yeah, it wasn't professional wrestling, but I don't think this feud could have or should have ended any any other way. I thought it was a very fitting end to this faction war. And just a perfect finish with like this kind of ritual execution of Will Ospreay by the War Dogs, you know, with all of their matching gear and their army fatigues and all that. And and it just made the War Dogs look like this absolute killing machine. Um, but, you know, in spite of that, you know, War Dogs won and looked absolutely powerful and, and victorious and indestructible going out. But they also let Will Ospreay and United Empire have their moment afterwards with the confetti and everything. And he, he richly, richly deserves that. So, I'm really glad that they managed to sort of have their cake and eat it by putting over the War Dogs, but also giving Osprey a chance to say a really heartfelt goodbye. I've, like this War Dogs, man, this might not be a popular opinion amongst the, the casual fans, but this is my favourite iteration of the Bullet Club. Oh, they all seem yeah. in step, in sync. They look like killers. They're, they're dangerous lunatics. And yeah, I just, I feel it. There's that authenticity that you're always talking about with, with all of these guys. And I speculate, you know, are, are there going to be angles? Is there, you know, someone in United Empire going to betray someone else? Is there going to be a new leadership? I'm glad they didn't do that. This was not the time for angles. This was time for the the big payoff, for the, the feud to get settled in the ring. There's never going to be a match like this again. Uh, if you, you nailed it. The payoff. You got the payoff. Um, and I'm going to disagree with you on one point. Like, to me, this was pro wrestling perfection in the sense of, those violent moments uh, you, are, are things, you know, people remember just the the, the chaotic moments. Uh, and again, I seem, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly referencing, referencing like Jim Crockett promotions, but you know, the idea of uh, scaffold match, you know, the road warriors against the midnights. Right. And you're just like, well, the Midnights are going to fucking die, right? Because it's the Road Warriors on a scaffold. They're going to die. Um, and it's 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 there is that stuff like that element. And I think those moments work when there's the 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 feeling and anticipation and uh that churn in your stomach of you're emotionally invested in that. Like I'm emotionally invested in this match as much as I'm emotionally invested in Okada Tanahashi. You know what I mean? Or Okada Kenny or Will Okada. Like I'm emotionally invested in this. And is it sloppy? Yep, at times. I mean, you know, it's a lot. There was some stuff there that was just like, whoa, you're going to, you guys are going to get hurt. Uh, and people did. And you know what? Let me tip my cap here. Fucking Hanare, the guy, the guy was hurt so bad that they didn't show him. <laughs> like, what does that say? Like, they 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 never replayed the the the, the clip. Luckily, you know, the, the camera wasn't really in focus when the the table or chair or whatever the fuck it was that that came through. Um, and then 
him being bandaged up, looking like he was wearing his fucking rugby gear, uh, and that spot with the chair, uh, just the brutal chair shot won, and then him him firing back up Gabe, and then Hinare just bam, (laughs) and just knocked him fucking into into another planet. That was and that. That was the most violent and shocking, shocking moment of the whole match. Oh. Just the I watched that like a hundred times. The reaction of that crowd where they're like, "Holy shit!" We just saw this guy's soul being knocked out of his body. Yeah, yeah I mean that was I was receipt. Yep, I was up. I was I was up out of my seat. Here's the thing: for for years, we have we have been subjected to a lot of false promises when it comes to violence in pro wrestling, right? So a lot of people that are younger than me, all that they were raised on is WWE type violence, right? Um, Like hell in the cells where, I mean, like nothing, you know, since, you know, fucking Mick Foley did, did his fucking you know, classic through the table from the top of the cage, you know, the most part, those things have not necessarily delivered when it comes to the implied violence that you're going to say. This was the first time in many moons that we, I mean, look, we sat here and said it. These guys are going to, these guys are going to fucking tear each other limb for limb. This is going to be a, a very violent match. Um, and it was, it lived up to every bit. Now, I understand the counter argument of these guys put their fucking bodies on the line and they didn't have to do all this shit. I hear you. I hear your voices. Trust me, I do. Pro wrestling is a fucking weird thing. Um, and we do still to this day celebrate those moments. We do. We celebrate them. And again, I just with the examples I gave. Um and I think that it has its place. Do I want to see this every fucking day? No. Do I want to see this every month? No. This was appropriate for given the, the match and the stipulations and the build to this moment. Um, I, pr- I appreciate what they did. I, I, that's the best thing I, I can say. Um, and, and it is one of those things. Do I ever want to see you guys do that shit again? I kind of don't, but God bless you for fucking doing it. Cause, cause you guys all, every one of you put, put your bodies on the line for, for an hour, which is pretty amazing. So I loved it. I really did. I'm sorry uh, if I'm a ghoul, if I'm a fucking barbarian at this point, I loved it and I appreciate everything they did. Nick says, thoughts on Finley as Bullet Club leader so far. I'm still of the mind that Gabe Kidd should take over, but I've got to admit, Finley is growing on me after this tour and cage match. So uh, John and I threw loads of flowers at Finley yesterday. And I think this calendar year, he's been outstanding. Like I, Again, I, I don't think he's going to win over the casual fans, but I don't care at this point. I, he, t- to me, I'm enjoying his work, and I think he is looking every bit the part Bullet Club leader for me and a War Dogs leader, not just Bullet Club leader, but War Dogs leader. So, where are you on Finlay so far? Much, um, much more uh, positive. That's for sure. Um, 
do I think he's the best fit to be the leader? Uh, your mileage is going to vary, right? I I I, I kind of don't want to try to prognosticate and say, "Yep, if we're, you know, talk to me in six months, talk to me in eight months." I'm I'm celebrating the now, right now. Like I'm celebrating the now, and I think from what I've seen so far this year, um, I can't complain. I can't complain at all. Really, I can't. Um, I'm 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 hoping I'm pr- and I'm praying this is not some fucking mirage uh, that we're getting. But I, I, like, I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic because I could, I can feel my body just go back one calendar year from this very day, and doesn't it feel like we were saying, man, it feels cr- kind of crazy around here, feels a little chaotic. Uh, who knows? It feels like it's we're all on acid. <laughs> we're watching this fucking promotion do some crazy fucking shit, right? Like that's how I feel. That's where I'm a little cautious. But you know what? I'm going to celebrate the win. And Finley, so far, I'm 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 loving what I'm seeing. Uh, Daryl says I find it a little strange to say, but I feel now that I will miss Osprey more than Okada. He's really grown on me, especially since the pandemic in the United Empire. And I believe that he sincerely loves Japan and has always given a hundred percent, no matter who he was in the ring with. What do you think his legacy will be if he doesn't return? Will he be considered as big a name as Chono or Naito or Muta? I know he didn't have a long run with a big belt, but oh my god, the matches! Osprey is the true no days off guy, in my opinion. God bless him. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that they came around because. We've been kind of saying that for a long time, right? Um, and yeah, I think his impact is going to be sorely missed. What, what, what will his legacy be in New Japan? That's a great question, actually. I don't think he'll ever have the opportunity to be a Muda, a Chono, a Hashimoto uh, in that rare air. I, I think that that's very difficult. Um, that being said, like he's got to be in the conversation of of. All right, let's do this. Without necessarily going through a laundry list of names, right now, would you put him in top twenty greatest New Japan of all time? Top twenty. I mean, he's been arguably the best wrestler in the world for the last. You said two years. I'd say maybe four years. That's really hard. I'm scared. I'm scared to answer that question. I'd say maybe yes. Oh, yeah. He's he's been so brilliant. He really has. Worked with so many different guys and helped establish so many others and been so selfless. And just the, the work he's put in, never phoning it in. Like, it's hard for me to go top 10. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard for me to be like, okay, you know, Okada, Anoki, Chochu, Tanahashi. I mean, we got four or five. Tiger Mask, six. Uh, Where do you want to go next? You know? Kenny. Is Kenny in the top 10? That's that's a good question. Has Osprey eclipsed Kenny? Eclipsed Kenny at this point? To me, yes. Mm-hmm. To me, yes. Now, here's the biggest problem I have, though. <sighs> now, you know what? I, I I don't know if I can sit here and say that. Like, I was going to go like, if I if if Madison Square Garden were on the table, right? 
could you comfortably sell out Madison Square Garden with with Will Ospreay on top, or do you need Kenny Omega on top? And here's the thing: Okada was on top against Jay White, but the pr- the premise was Young Bucks and Kenny were going to be at that show, and the tickets were on sale in advance, and people kind of felt a little, uh, you know. Um, I think that played a big factor in it. Could all right? Let's answer. Just let's stop fucking about and stop being cowards. Is the impact of New Japan on New Japan Pro Wrestling? Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay, which one you taking? Will Ospreay. I, I'm, I'm struggling. Like I can't, I can't sit here and hand wave the importance of Kenny Omega. Like, who do I prefer? Will, who do I, who do I think gave more back to New Japan? Will, who do I think was bigger? Kenny. Kenny was bigger. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in terms of the significance of Kenny sort of helping, you know, with that famous six-star match, Wrestling Room 11 main event, and, you know, arguably being being a huge part in the creation of AEW and getting that up and running. I mean, his... But then again, we're we're talking New Japan here, so... I mean, his his G1s were unbelievable. Hmm. His chase of the title was unbelievable. Absolute god tier matches with yeah. Okada, Naito. Yeah. Just on the top of my head. Even Michael Elgin. It's tough. You could go either way. I'd have to say Kenny. It's very, very close. Yep. I, look. And it's the testament to the, the tremendous work Will Ospreay has done that it is that close. Yeah. Because if you ask that question, what, two years ago even, you'd, you'd probably get a different answer. But, hey, look, you know. And, and I think even just the end of this run has done a huge amount of good for the Will Ospreay case. No doubt. Just seeing, seeing that comparatively against other people who are leaving the company. How about Kenny? And, you know. Uh, well, he put over. <laughs> right, that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Well, okay. Well, okay. Kenny spent more time shooting fucking videos for that that <laughs> stupid <laughs> channel of his, Young Bucks, than he did trying to. I mean, didn't we sit here and just fucking roll our eyes at all the lack of hype for the main event at Kingdom against Tanahashi? Yes. Like, and now compare that to Will. Video. Yeah. Now compare that to Will. And how angry and resentful we know Kenny was on the way out. Yep. Whereas Osprey is a guy, just the embodiment of pay it forward. Yeah. Who will just lie down for anyone, anywhere, just because he believes in it. You know, say what you will about him, Will. Uh, Like, that's... You don't think that goes a long way in a locker room? You don't think that goes a long way to an office? Look, for all the, the... the the stuff that you know you hear about him and and I to me I think a lot of that is even dialed down at this point 
Like a lot of the things that people were like, oh, it's just, I can't fucking stand this guy. That That's dialed down tremendously. Look, you know, there's a part of me that's like, Will, I would take just just for the way he left, just for the way he went out. I don't know. Yeah, this final Will Ospreay match, and it was barely about him at all. Right. I mean, not for nothing. I wish he wouldn't bring his girlfriend or his wife or (laughs) I don't want that. I don't want that there. I feel like that takes away. Anyway, um, great match. Are, are you going full five? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Of course. Me too. All right. Just making sure. And not to say it was perfect, because no. like I said, there are plenty of things that I was like thinking, ah, oh, this is ridiculous, but I feel that's part of the charm for me. Yep. Um, um, listen, I, and again, I'll, I'll say Magnum TA and Tully Blanchard in a steel cage, I quit. This was not a technical masterpiece, but you felt every fucking second of it. And that's that that was this to me. To me, it was. So that's that's how I'm 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 going there. All right. Um one hour and fifty minutes. What else we got to talk about? Um just a few little wrap-up things. Right. Future of United Empire, because there was no breakup here. Um and we talked about Callum Newman and how sort of long term I think he is the guy for for leadership of that faction, because I don't think they're going to Dissolve them. In our year-end polls, they finished second in most popular factions. So um, whilst it might have made narrative sense to block the faction, I think it, it seems like they're going to stick around. And, and I'm looking at that second match in support of the final Okada match, the fact that uh, Matt Riddle has been put with them. I don't think... I, I think that does mean Matt Riddle is likely to be joining United Empire, but I don't think we're going to have a clear leader, per se, in the short term. Because we know that TJP is kind of um, angling for that, and he's talked a lot about that. And I think even New Japan know that Riddle is too much of a, a flight risk to say, right, this guy's the new leader. So I think they're probably going to be a little bit cautious with that. How's he getting But uh, Matthew says, is it? <laughs> it's a good question, but they, they obviously think he'll make it. Matthew says, is it worth moving forward with Chaos and United Empire as factions or shake it up with a new faction or two? I mean, the, the, the only the, the question that always pops into my mind is merchandise. If they're still selling merch, then it's still going to be a thing. Uh, so I don't, I, I, yeah, I think United Empire is going to stick around. Yeah, and it makes it convenient for like, you know, travel and, and um, you know, who's getting the train and, you know, just. It's a little bit deep. It actually runs a little bit deeper than just, oh, okay, these guys are in this pro wrestling faction. Um, so, yeah, it might be a little bit difficult, but eh, eh, who knows? Kyla uh, Blue says, did Greta Khan look more of a boob or a geek during the cage match? Yeah. That, that was a, a strange one, his involvement in that. How did you feel about yeah. him sort of being on the periphery there? Okay, so you're if you're in United Empire, wouldn't you want a fucking dump truck like him in the ring to, you know, you would think he would be a guy that you would want to destroy the, uh, the opponents. Um, and then he's made to look a little bit like a boob with the key situation. Um, I mean, maybe he didn't want to be in it. You know, maybe he was just like, oh, fuck that. I am not getting involved in this nonsense. Uh, yeah, he looked, a, he looked a little boobish. He looked like a little bit of a boob. And last thing, I have watched the backstage promos from this show, which was like over an hour long. But uh, one thing 
stood out here and it's been picked up by some other people. Uh, Alex Coglin, who didn't say anything, but gestured in Makaton in sign language. I think it was like, fuck you. The first gesture, I think, I could be wrong. Uh, the second one was thank you. So he, he definitely gestured thank you in sign language and looked very, very emotional. So got a bit of a bad feeling about that one. Um, I won't say any more on that, but um, yeah. 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 Um, you know, sometimes the smart thing is to recognize your own uh, fears. I get, I don't want to say fears. Uh, you know what? Uh, how do I word this, Joel? Help me out here. It's a it's a situation where maybe smarter heads prevail. Maybe he's a guy who who's had very serious injury issues in the past with his neck, and even within the last year, has had a few near misses. Yeah. And especially in a match like this, I'm not saying that this match put him over the edge, but yeah, but it could, you know, look again, we're kind of dancing around a little bit and I think people can read between the lines and and put two and two together. Um, He's got to do what's right for him. That's, that's what I'll say. He's got to do what's right for him. And um, sometimes, making hard decisions about what's the right thing to do for that person is the most difficult thing to do. Um, and we'll leave it at that. How about that? All right. Redcircle.com forward slash shows forward, forward slash super dash J dash cast. If you want to throw some money our way. And look, if you want to be part of uh, the discord and the delicious deli, if you uh, send me proof of your uh, contribution, then, um, We'll talk. I'll throw you a link. I'll hook you up. Yeah. Uh, where's my other plugs? Who else are we plug in? The usuals. Um, yeah, t-shirt. Edited down. Good guy. T-shirt. No, I don't want to do the T-shirts yeah, this week. Not not feeling in the T-shirt mood. Uh, edited down. At Lousy Hero 219. Definitely uh, earned his uh, <laughs> his uh, paycheck, his meager paycheck last week yeah. with uh, yeah. all the great work he did patching that one together. Um, follow us on Twitter at SuperJCast. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and goodbye. Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of all Japan pro wrestling and pro wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps.